Hi, I'm Dr. Sabrina Black and welcome to Mental Health Monday. If you've been following me, you know that my goal is to provide tips and tools and resources that will help you deal with life, relationships, COVID-19 and beyond. And so I've talked about several different topics. I've dealt with anger, we've talked about fear, we looked at domestic violence, we've talked about grief and loss, we even talked about perfectionism. Today, we're talking about something else that people really don't want to talk about. Most people don't even want to acknowledge that it exists. Today, we're talking about addictions. And there are lots of different addictions, and you'll hear about some of them. You may even have some or have people in your family that have addictions. But we want to make sure that when we talk about addictions, we talk about it from a loving perspective. Because these are not just addicts or people on the street. These people are our family members. These are people that we love and care about. So we don't want to refer to them by their behavior, but it's people who have a, a serious life issue that they're struggling with that they can overcome. And we want to be able to talk about some things today that might help them overcome. So joining me today, I have a very special guest. I have a woman that I love dearly, uh, one of my spiritual daughters. Uh, this is Mrs. Donna Marks. And Donna is a woman who has celebrated 21 years of recovery herself. She is also a board member, and I think the organization you're part of is called The Real. And let me tell you, The Real stands for recovery, education, advocacy, and leadership. And so Donna's on the board for that organization. She is also a recovery coach and a sponsor for people who are going through the program. Donna is not only a person who knows about recovery and addictions personally and professionally, but she is also a wife, a mother of six, and a grandmother of, what, 13, Donna? Wow. wow. I tell you, God has blessed you to live a lot of life and to be able to see your children and your children's children. And we thank God for that. Donna is also a community person. She's very active in her community. She also owns several businesses. Uh, one she owns is True Care Physical Therapy in Southfield and then also Metroway Transportation in Canton. So Donna, welcome. So glad to have you with us today. Um. It's wonderful to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. And so those of you who watch me on Mental Health Monday know that I try to kind of talk about what the statement of the problem is and then give you some tips and techniques and things that will help you in the process of recovery, that try to help you get to the other side of whatever it is that you're dealing with. So Donna, if you could just tell us a little bit about your journey, because I want to tell them too about what is addiction, because I know people are saying, well, my coffee is not addiction. Well, I just love chocolate. That's not an addiction. And some things are an addiction, but other things are just a bad habit. So why don't you talk some about your journey? Well, thank you, Dr. Black. Thank you for having me here. This is a topic that's very dear um, because this is something I had to go through uh, for many years. Mm. Um, as you mentioned, I have 21 years plus to the grace of God. Um, and I give him all the credit, all the credit. Uh, say prior to that, um, I probably have 20 plus years on the other side as well. Hmm. And so um, being here, um, speaking of this, especially a time like today, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. we're dealing with something um, unprecedented, something we never have dealt with, and that's the pandemic, COVID-19, Yes, um, that is affecting us in so many ways. And a lot of the key uh, problems that you already are discussing on previous uh, platforms um, here um, is some of the things that uh, allow addicts um, to surface. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
they're unable to deal with stress issues, uh, depression. And a lot of times when they don't know what to do, they, you know, um, turn to a destructive mm. uh, pattern mm-hmm. that uh, leads to, you know, uh, endless loops. And so yeah. I want to say my story, um, you know, I, I am uh, one that does the work. Um, I have a sponsor. I am a sponsor of many. Um, I've done a lot of work in this area of addiction and addiction as it relates to, and I'm speaking of the 12 steps of narcotic anonymous, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. I got it all on. Um, my teachings, my learnings, my support. Um, And so it talks about addiction is a mental, physical, and spiritual disease that affects every area of our life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You look at the dictionary, it talks about addiction, the fact or condition uh, of being addicted to a particular uh, substance, thing, or activity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Talked about, it doesn't have to just be drugs. Right be addicted to so many things. And a lot of time, uh, uh, you will hear that um, you had addictive behaviors long before you might've picked up the drugs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Might've been um, uh, un- unable to cope with life situations and, and, and we find ourselves going off on the deep end. And it man- the manifestation of it can be drugs, it can be sex, it could be gambling. Yes. It, it can be, be shopping. can be food. It could be, be workout exercise. can be the internet. <laughs> things they have a 12-step program for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so, um, you know, what I do um, uh, when I got to the program of Narcotic Anonymous early on, they told me to make 90 meetings in 90 days. And I'm mm. like, a lot you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it wasn't enough, you mm. know, and some people made two to three meetings a day. Mm. It was stated, if you make a meeting a day, you stand a chance, you stand a chance of getting through that day into another day. So what we do is we talk about having one day at a time, just doing right. one day at a time, sometimes one minute at a time. You can right. find that allows you to get through the day. Let, let me jump in, Donna, and say, too, for those of you who might be watching and you're thinking, 90 meetings in 90 days, that's a whole lot of meeting. That sounds like another addiction. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes when you're trying to come out of whatever it is that's holding you bondage, you do trade one thing for the next, but then you do learn to cope over time. And so as Donna is talking about different types of addictions that you might have, remember we're talking about not only drugs and alcohol as an addiction substance, we're talking about sex or pornography. We're talking about gambling addiction and shopping addiction. We're looking at food addictions and, and, and even work as an addiction. Sometimes People say, well, you know, I'm just a workaholic. Well, you know, that doesn't, that sounds good, but that's not really good either because any type of addiction can be a bad addiction because it pulls you away from key relationships and key things that are important in your life. And so as we're talking about these different types of addictions, I want to make sure that you're clear that nobody, I mean, nobody wakes up saying, you know what, I think I'm just going to be an addict today. You know, that's not the plan here. So what happens is that 
people are just living basic life and sometimes life can be overwhelming, like being locked down, shut in. And so people who maybe have never ever had a problem with addiction may be developing problems at this point. And people who have problems already, their problems may be exacerbated by all the things that are going on. And so addiction starts as an attempt to either avoid pain or experience well-being. And, and so if I decide to take a little drink or something, maybe I have a glass of wine in the evening and it, it helps me sleep at night. And I discover, you know what, a glass of wine helps me sleep. And so now I start having glasses of wine. Over a period of time, I'm gonna build up tolerance to that. And that glass of wine is no longer gonna work. Or for those of you who have medical marijuana, you decide, you know what, that marijuana really helps me. But then you discover, you know what, that's not sufficient. And so it starts out as a way to avoid the pain of life or to experience well-being, not that people wake up and decide, you know what, I'm just going to be strung out. And for those of you who are watching who's ever have been strung out on anything, you know that it's hard to tell somebody with addictive behavior that it doesn't work because they know that it does. It's just that it's a temporary fix for a long-term problem that needs to be worked through and resolved. And so think about it. You know, some of you remember that, you know, that, that first uh, marijuana joint you smoked or that, that first hit of cocaine you took or the first time you did anything, crack or whatever you may have done. You got that temporary euphoria. You know, it's that, that rush we used to call it. And it's like, whoo, yeah, that, that, that's, that's good. And, and you, your mind gets that psychologically entrenched and you feel like, you know what? I remember last time I felt this way, I did this and it worked. So let me try that again. And, and so Don, if you could talk some about just that whole experience of, of when you're going through that, because again, like you say, you're 21 years sober, but I also heard you say you're 20 years on the other side too. So you remember what it was like to be in that place of pain or just really wanting some well-being. Right. And, and it was very, um, I'm glad you talked about, you know, early on, um, and that's how my addiction started, you know, hmm. um, peer pressure, if you will. Um, that's what, you know, the kids in my neighborhood. And I wanted to hang with them. You know, hmm. I thought it was cool. I didn't want to, you know, and it, and it started off drinking. Mm-hmm. You know, and we would drink. And we, then, then it escalated and we were smoking weed um, and we used to buy little joints at the time. That's what they used to call it. And then uh, we de- dibbled and dabbled in some pills, mescaline and, and all of that. And so uh, then it came the cocaine um, from tooting. Uh, then I used to do what was called 51. Hmm. And, and if you hear me, you hear the progression Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. progression of the disease and, and that's what it does once you get started it's it, it you on a downhill spiral spiraling down yeah and so you know i remember being fearful of of smoking crack hmm. because you know the the stigma that it had mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but I found myself be, uh, being in a relationship and, and he kept cons- insisting and I did it. Mm. Said um, not to take the first one. If you don't pick up the first one, then you stand a chance. But if you indulge, it's so much harder because as you talked about the euphoria feeling, it, it hits you and you don't know what to do 
your body craves and want more. Uh uh I remember when you talked about early on, I remember, you know, my life was pretty nice. We lived in a beautiful area. My parents worked at Chrysler, uh, white collar worker um, at the plant. Um, You know, we lived good. Um, I had morals and values. And where did I go wrong? That was one of my things. So um, again, as I began to indulge because of trying to fit in, I always, always wanted to be a part of and pick the wrong crowd. Um, and then I found myself at a point where it started off to be maybe on the weekends or you know later. Then it became like every day consumed. Let me jump in for a moment here because I want to help people understand that one of the things that you're describing is the difference between addiction and just a bad habit. So, so it's not that, you know, it was just something you did on occasion and that was that, but the addictive behavior has a, a thing called tolerance. Like you say, you did it just on the weekends and then it became, you did it every day. And so this tolerance is that always wanting more of whatever the addictive substance is, because what you used to do is no longer sufficient. And so, for example, if you used to just drink a beer, you know, one beer was okay, but now you need a couple of beers. Now you need a six pack, or now you need a 40. And and, and so now you need a case just in case, but you want to always have more of it because you realize that your body was craving, like you said, it was craving more of what it is that you used to do to get it to that same level of rush. And you never get that same rush again, that same euphoria, you never get it again. And so you're always chasing that same high that you never get back. Yeah. And, and, and so continue talking about that, that tolerance buildup as it was happening. And, and as I said, you know, the, the addiction is the mental, physical, and spiritual disease every mm-hmm, mm-hmm. area. And the physical aspect of re- disease is the compulsive use of drugs, the inability to stop once we started. Mm-hmm. So once we started, like you said, the chase, it's like, you know, it would be times literally where I couldn't go to sleep because mm. my thoughts, I was consumed about how will I get one more? If I ran out of money, I thought of ways and means to get more. Rather, I had to go borrow, lie still, you know, cheat, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Again, my morals and values went way out the window. Uh, I didn't think about those things. It was all for the sake of one more. Yeah. Mental part of the disease is the obsession, the overpowering desire mm-hmm. to use, even when we know we're destroying our lives. Yes. I saw the effects. I saw, I saw the um, unmanageability, mm-hmm. the inward mm-hmm. unmanageability and the outward unmanageability. Yes, yes. Our unmanageability, those things, I started to lose the job. I started, you know, next thing I know, I wasn't paying my rent. Before Mm -hmm. I know it, you know, I was evicted out of my home. Um, The kids, you know, were being teased by some of their friends because of my behavior in the community. Mm. You know, um, um, you know, I didn't think, you know, groceries, I would get my money or being on welfare 
and still I could not bring the money home. Mm-hmm. It would be in my intentions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to pay the bills. And I would go to, you know, to cop just to get one and say, I'm just going to do this. Mm-hmm. That was never my story. Yeah. You know, so you talk about that tolerance first. You go from tolerance to then withdrawal. Like you say, you can't stop even though you know it's not good for you. Like you say, you're compelled. It's, it's like your energy is being pulled and drawn towards something you know is not good for you, not getting ready to help you, but you just can't stop yourself. And so you go from tolerance to withdrawal and then denial even. It's like, it's the problem's not that bad. And even though your children may say it's bad, your spouse may say it's bad, people all around you are looking at you and telling you this is a problem. You know, no matter what the addiction is, whether it's substance or gambling or sex and pornography, you on the internet, on your phone all the time, whatever it is, people are telling you this is a problem. And you're steady saying, no, 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 I got this under control. And what I hear people say, I can stop whenever I want to, or I stop all the time. And let me tell you, if you're stopping all the time, you really haven't stopped because the definition of stop is to cease and desist. What you have done is paused. You have put a comma instead of a period. And and so there is a way to stop. But if you've stopped all the time, you really haven't stopped. You're still in denial because you do go to that loss of willpower where you have the inability to stop even though you want to. And then that last part of that is the distortion of reality. That you just basically just just out of touch with reality. You don't even know, like you say, from one day to the next, Donna, you don't realize that you don't spend your, your rent money on drugs. You don't realize that you spent your grocery money at the casino. You know, and, and so all these things are going on. And that is the key difference between addiction and just a habit. You know, you may have a bad habit of, of drinking coffee. But what happens if somebody took your coffee cup from you? Can you make it tonight? Can you make it tomorrow? Are you going to be able to go all week long? You just try not to drink your coffee. If you start realizing that you need three cups as opposed to just one, you have withdrawal symptoms, you got headaches, you're irritable, can't nobody talk to you till you get your coffee, that's the indicator. You know, if you don't think it's a problem and then somebody has to go out in the middle of COVID-19 to buy you some more coffee, <laughs> that, that's an indicator. And so again, you know, we, we're laughing just but trying to help you see that everything can be an addiction, but everything is not an addiction. Key components of an addiction, tolerance, withdrawal, denial, loss of willpower, and distortion of reality. Go ahead, Donna. All right. And so um, the other thing I wanted to talk about, the third component or aspect of addiction, it's a spiritual part. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is the part is our total Mm self-centeredness. Even when we know it's all about us, Mm -hmm. you know, even though I had kids at the time, Mm-hmm. You know, um, it wasn't, uh, um, it wasn't, even though it was um, uh, apparent that um, their lives were, was affected by my drug use, it wasn't enough. It was still about what I needed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think about others. And that's that total self-centeredness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um to find out, I had to find out, you know, what's in me that allows me to do what I do. Mm. Makes me an addict. And I found out what makes me as an addict is the disease of addiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I want to use a parallel just as 
this disease, my husband has a disease, he has Parkinson's. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. One of the things um, with addiction as it relates to drug use and coffee and chocolate and work and sex and everything else that's an addiction. And eating is individuals continue the addictive uh, habits or substance. The brain adapts. Yes. It tries to reestablish a balance between the dopamine mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that surges, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. normal um, levels of the substance um, to the brain. Yes. So to do this, neurons begin to produce less dopamine or simply just the number of dopamine receptors. My husband has Parkinson's, another disease. His disease, the same thing, that same mm. aspect, that dopamine. What happens is he don't get enough, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. enough to allow um, his, his, his um, neurons to respond you know, to allow him to do simple things that mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. for granted. Yeah, yeah. You know, so people look at us and say, you know, from the drug use, how can you do this? They say, you know, it, we have strange mannerisms. If you know someone that's using, and I'm sure all of you know someone in your family that's using. Everybody knows somebody. Strange mannerisms that happen. The same thing with my husband. When his dope, the dopamine is not leveled out, he begins to act some kind of different way that is, you know, um, you know, uh, alarming, if you will, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when that's watching. Yeah. Not normal. The behaviors. And that's, that's what we do. What I end up finding out now that uh, I haven't used in, in over 21 plus years. Uh -huh. I still suffer from the disease of addiction. Mm. They say drugs is just a symptom. That mm. means it's just a symptom. One, when the drugs are gone, I find out more of who I am, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who's I am. Yes, amen. And I think that who's you are is the key thing, Donna, because even when we talk about this process of addiction, the reality is that all of us are simply trying to become. We're trying to become what God has destined for us to become. We're trying to relate to one another in, in a Christ-like manner. We're trying to achieve our goals and our purpose and, and our destiny. And so we're all on this journey where we're trying to become, trying to relate and trying to achieve. And on that journey, we're met with pain. And pain is part of life, no matter what you're dealing with, I don't know how, how rich you are, how poor you are, how good looking you are, how ugly you are, it don't matter. No matter what neighborhood you live in, pain is a part of life. And we can either process our pain or we can make an effort to postpone the pain. And when we make that effort to postpone the pain, it becomes psychologically entrenched in our brain that this helped and this worked. And when we do that, that's when we are met with disaster, when we have to deal with drama, when we have to deal with trauma. That, that I'm so thankful that, you know, here we are 21 years later and, and you're on the other side of it. And I appreciate you giving that comparison between the disease. And I know people look at different models of addiction. You know, they look at a disease model of addiction. They look at a, a choice model of addiction. But whatever model you choose to look at, a person is in bondage. 
They're being held captive and they are not their own. And they are living a life that is not what they want to be doing. And so no woman wants to be on the street selling her body, trying to make money to, to get a fix. No man wants to be taking money from his mother or his grandmother. Nobody wants to be taking money out of the kid's college fund. People don't want to do those things. That's not a conscious choice that you're making at that point. It is the addiction that has taken over. And so we all go through this process and sometimes we got to process the pain. And so I know a lot of times people are saying, well, I don't want to deal with pain. I don't want to cry. I don't want to fall apart. You need to, because if you keep postponing the pain, you may find yourself acting out in some other way, which you don't really want to do. And, and so Donna, one of the things I know, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the process of recovery in part two, but, but I do want to let people know that no matter who you're dealing with, whether it is your spouse, it, it may be your child that, that you're praying will come back home, that will get off the streets and, and return and, and let go of whatever that addictive behavior is. I just want to remind you that that person is lovable, they're valuable, they're forgivable, and they are changeable. Whether they need to do 90 meetings in 90 days, if they need to go to a meeting every day or three times a day, there is hope available, there is help available, and there is healing available. Mm -hmm. But we got to believe that Jesus came to set the captives free. And he who the son sets free is indeed free. And so I'm thankful, Donna, that here we are 21 years later, hallelujah, and you are still free and you understand the process of recovery. What is it that you would tell somebody, Donna, right now who may be watching this and they're saying, you know what, y'all don't know what I'm going through. Y'all don't know what I'm dealing with. Help them know that you understand and that we understand. Let me tell you, um, when I got... Um, <laughs> When I came to the program, I was at the end of the road. Mm. Um, there was nothing left to do. They say jails, institutions, and death. And I've been to jails, institutions, and then the only thing left was death. Mm. I felt like I was dead, but although I was alive. Mm -hmm. But when I came to the program, I, I was this was my last resort. Mm. I didn't think it would work because everything I did, everything I did everything. I moved geographical changes and relationships. I tried this. I tried to be consulted. I prayed on. It wasn't until I became ready. And mm. when I came in, what I did is I just surrendered. Amen. I surrendered. Yes. I just said, God, you know, and whatever it was, and I came in as if I didn't know nothing. And really, I didn't know nothing. Mm, 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 didn't know. Yes. I did not know what to do. I was a grown woman who had no clue, no mm. hope, nowhere to go. And I came to the rooms of Narcotic Anonymous. Yeah. You and know, for those of you who are watching who don't have a clue, please be sure to tune back in for part two so that we can help you not only get a clue, but get some help. I wanna thank you for listening. And I pray that this has been a blessing to you so far that you share this with other people, that you like this, that you do watch parties, that you invite others to watch part one and part two. I hope that something you've heard has been a, a help to you and your family. Make sure that you scroll through, watch some of the additional shows on here. And remember, I'm Dr. Sabrina Black, and this is Mental Health Monday. If you are in need of additional help, uh, please go to the website, drsabrinablack.com. You can also find me on Psychology Today. Thank you so much for watching, and tune in for part two.